Open your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah, the first chapter. We're in a study we've titled, Called. We're looking at some of the great calling text in Scripture, asking the question of what it means to live a called life. And I'm going to argue this morning that it starts early, that you were called first thing. Most of you know I'm the proud father of three children. Our first two children are some years older than our third. The doctor said we wouldn't be having children. And my wife did the Sarah thing and bore me a son in her old age. And so we named him... We named him Matthew, which means gift of God, which that's exactly what he is. So his early years, uh, was that he was at the house by himself because the other two were already in school. So he's about three or four years old, and his brother Michael and his sister Morgan are at school. And he wanders into the kitchen, Jamie's doing some things there, And he puts on, and if you know Matthew, you know he has this face. He puts on his real serious preacher face, which he gets from me. And he comes up to Jamie and says, Mama, if you want to say ugly things today, just don't do it. (laughs) And, And she said, Matthew, I don't plan to say ugly things today. But what ugly thing were you thinking I might say? He said, well... You might want to tell Michael and Morgan that I'm your favorite child, but don't do it. (laughs) Self-esteem has never been one of his issues. The truth of the matter is, every child wants and needs to understand that they are special. But the problem is that most kids let the world and peers and MTV define what special means. And it's a definition that guarantees disappointment. Because almost from the moment you're born, the world is going to tell you, if you want to be special, you need to look better than somebody else or you need to do something better than somebody else. Because performance and appearance define who the special people are. And it's a recipe for disaster because, frankly, most of us as young people knew we didn't do things better than most. We didn't look better than most. And even if we did, time is going to take that away from us. And so we've got to tell our children a different story. The Bible says... Find your specialness in God. And it begins with knowing that you were called first thing. So, let's read together in the first chapter of Jeremiah. The first verse says, The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests of Anatoth in the territory of Benjamin. First thing we know about Jeremiah, he's a PK. He's a priest kid, and that's going to be important. Down in verse 4, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. 
But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. And then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now, I've put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Now, if you were a PK in Jeremiah's day, you already knew what you were going to do for a living. Your father was a priest, and his father was a priest, and his father was a priest, and you were going to be a priest. And so Jeremiah just assumed he would transition smoothly into the family business. He wasn't trying to be, and he wasn't wanting to be, a prophet. For some very good reasons. For one thing, priests got paid. Prophets didn't. If you were a priest, the sacrifices and the offerings that people brought to the temple became your salary. And you had an income. Prophets didn't have an income. On top of that, the priests basically ran the external trappings of the religious system of Israel. They kept the sacrifices going. They collected the tithes. You really didn't have to challenge people's hearts. You just had to keep the system going. But the prophet was called by God to speak to people's hearts to call them to confess, to call them to repent. You see, there's a reason you never read about people stoning priests. They stone prophets. Because prophets convict. So Jeremiah tries to hang up on God's call, citing what we often cite, a lack of competence and a lack of experience. Lord, first off, I don't know how to speak. That's not my gift. And besides, I'm too young. No one's going to listen to me anyway. And God's strong word to Jeremiah was, Young man, I don't make mistakes. I know what I'm doing when I call you. See, the issue isn't age and the issue isn't adequacy. The issue is whether or not God has given you a mission And a message. You know, this comes home to me personally because a lot of you know I started as a baby preacher. I was 21 years old when I was hired to preach at a church of some size. And immediately the criticism I heard more than any other is, you're too young to preach to us. Now, I didn't get that feedback if I preached encouraging messages on how to be happy and find joy. But if I ever preached a prophetic message on how you need to repent and get your life in line with the Word of God, the criticism would always come... He's not old enough to tell us like that. Now, the truth is, when you're a young preacher, you probably do say a lot of dumb things, and you probably deserve a lot of criticism. But the issue needs to be, has God given the man a word? Has God touched his lips? Because if it's the word of God, it doesn't matter how old the man of God is. It's still true. And so, God says to Jeremiah... My word is going to come to pass, not because you're powerful, but because my word is. A lot of us sense a call from God, and we're not thrilled to get the call. Like Jeremiah, we're chilled when we get the call. Because our view of ourselves has convinced ourselves God's made a mistake. And what we must do is let God's view of us transcend our own imperfect comprehension of us. Did you know 
God had His eyes on you before you even had eyes. You were called first thing. And I am convinced if we would teach this principle early and often, our children would get the proper understanding of what it means to be special. And it would be a powerful influence to combat the lies they are told in our culture from birth. See, one thing they need to hear, God said to Jeremiah, is you are not an accident. See, culture conspires to explain life in a way that robs life of all significance. And our children are taught early and often that you are just the product of a couple of billion years of pond scum. There was pond scum, now we don't know where it came from. And there was lightning, and we don't know where it came from. And there was an explosion, and you came. That's the sensible understanding of life. And if that's true, then life really doesn't have much significance, does it? It is the great hypocrisy of what we're telling our kids. That you came from nothing, you're going back to nothing, now don't be a nothing. God says, you are not a cosmic accident. You are a masterpiece I formed myself. Before, I formed you in the womb. I knew you, God says. And that word form is the Old Testament word for a potter that would take a lump of clay and make it something beautiful and useful. And this is the consistent message of the Bible. David sings in Psalm 139, You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And in a culture that worships appearance and sets a standard that teenagers literally almost kill themselves to try to meet and will never meet, they need to hear this word. You're a masterpiece of God. Uh, Jill Briscoe and her husband Stuart had a ministry in England before they moved to America. They said when they lived in England, they knew of a couple that had tried for years to get pregnant and they couldn't. He worked at a factory. None of the workers there were Christians. And he would tell them that he and his wife were praying that she would someday get pregnant and they mocked him for it. Well, one day she got pregnant. He rushed to tell them how excited they were God had answered their prayers. But nine months later, their child was born and their son had Down's syndrome. He wanted that first day back what he would receive and the mocking he expected came quickly. So God gave you a baby like that, huh? He prayed for wisdom, Jill said, and he said to them, Yes, and I am so glad God gave him to us and not to you. No child is just a child. Each is a creature in whom God intends to do something glorious and great because God doesn't make mistakes. Now this means before it ever crossed your mind to consider that God might be important, He had already decided that you were. He didn't wait to see how you turned out before He chose you. You were called first 
thing. So the question today is, are you going to take up the life for which you were destined in the womb? Or are you going to tragically defect from it? You see, the second thing God said to Jeremiah is, you are not your own. God called Jeremiah to a greater reason than just to work and to go to church and to retire and to die. And nothing's changed. Now granted, if you're just a lump of matter, then what you do with your life doesn't matter. No matter how much the humanists try to tell you it does. If you're just a lump of matter, it doesn't really matter what you do with your life. But the Bible says, you were born on purpose for a purpose. You are not an accident. God doesn't make mistakes. He knew you in the womb. And you're here for a reason. You don't belong to yourself. You never have, never will. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, Don't you know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you've received from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. When God was shaping your body in your mother's womb, it was to give you a temple by which you could honor Him. He doesn't exist to make your life easy. You exist to make God look good. And the great temptation is for the world to seduce you into spending your life in more trivial pursuits. My great concern for my kids is not that the challenges of their life will be too big, but that the goals for their lives will be too small. They will seek something besides the kingdom of God. You see, twice God said to Jeremiah, I appointed you before you were born. And the word appoint means give. I gave your life away before you saw the light of day because it belongs to me. I'm the one who made it in the first place. Now think about that. If that's true, then we betray our very reason for being if we buy into the culture that says we basically exist to consume. Most people in our culture make consuming the purpose of life. How big of a house did I wind up living in? How new was my car? How much stuff was in my closet? And how much did I have in my IRA? And if I collect a lot then I did life well. And God says from the very beginning, I didn't form you to see how much you could get. I formed you to be a gift. What did you contribute to the world? What did you do for other people? That's why you were made. We've got to say this over and over and over to the young people. And not just to the young people. Because the seduction is so strong. 
Rufus Jones is a well-known Quaker writer and preacher. And in his autobiography, he talked about the day that was a turning point in his life. His folks had gone into town and told him to stay home on the farm and weed the turnip patch. Well, some buddies came along and said, Rufus, we're going fishing. Come with us. No, I've got to stay and weed the turnip patch. Oh, Rufus, come fishing. When we get through, we'll come back and we'll help you weed the patch. So he took off. And everybody knows it's hard to keep track of time when you're fishing, especially if they're biting. He didn't get back till after dark. His mom and dad were back from town. He fully expected to be punished. He didn't put up a word of protest when his mother said to go straight to his room. She came into the room. He expected a whipping. He knew he deserved it. Instead, she put him down in a chair. He expected a lecture. He didn't hear it. She began to pray over him. She began to pray all of her dreams and her hopes for him. And he said, she closed with this line. She said, oh God, take this boy of mine and make him the boy and the man he was divinely designed to be. And then he said, she kissed me. And she left me alone in the silence to be with God. Do you realize God chose you before you ever chose God? And as Gandalf would say, I think that's an encouraging thought. To know that there are other forces at work. That you exist for a reason. That you're a part of a bigger story. That you don't keep score the way the world does. And finally, God said to Jeremiah, just remember this, you're not alone. God didn't give Jeremiah an easy task, but He did give him a hard and fast promise. Don't be afraid, because I'm with you. See, God knew that when Jeremiah learned that he was called first thing, Jeremiah was going to battle fear first thing. God knew the first thing I've got to tell him after I call him is don't be afraid. Fear is the number one reason we get a call from God and we hang up. Fear of risk. Fear of inadequacy. Fear of rejection. Fear of failure. Fear of abandonment. Fear of sacrifice. Fear of criticism. Fear of being misunderstood. And if we let our fears direct our lives, then we will be steered down a path of safe, sanitized, boring commitments to trivial pursuits. What we all need is a fear, a legitimate fear, that cancels out all the unworthy ones. This past week, I had a delightful uh, time in conversation with Larry Hutchins. And some of you know Larry. He's been a member here for many years. Recently, Larry found out he has brain cancer. 
There's not a real cure for his cancer outside of a supernatural healing of God, which he is faithfully seeking. But if God should give him a different answer, Larry will not live many more months or years. We talked about that. What does it mean to wake up in the morning knowing you may not have many more mornings? Well, two wonderful blessings have come. Number one, Larry will tell you, nothing intimidates me anymore. All those petty worries that used to keep you awake at night don't keep you awake anymore. And number two, my communion with God has gone to a new level. And Larry's determined that these days be lived inside the call of God. And it is amazing the level of conversation you can quickly have with people when you know death is near. You see, when you know you're living in your calling, you're going to experience the presence of God in ways so real. It's going to be very hard for the world to seduce or scare you anymore. I love this verse from the book of Jude. He says, from Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, brother of James, to all who've been called by God. Here's your word. God the Father loves you. And you've been kept safe in Jesus Christ. And this is the kind of assurance God wants for all of us. That's where your specialness comes from. That's why you were called first thing. See, I, I hope the, the nugget that you're taking away today this is, folks, calling begins at birth. Now, I know some of us, we didn't hear the call till we were 40 or 50 or 60, but it wasn't because God didn't call before then. We just weren't listening. Calling begins at birth. They asked the poet William Stafford one time, when did you start being a poet? He said, wrong question. Every child is born fascinated by words. He wants to learn words, delights in the sound of words, wants to put words together. I just kept doing what everyone else stopped doing. The question isn't when did I start being a poet. The question is when did you stop? Every child wants to believe, needs to believe they're special. But if they listen to the story of the world, they'll stop believing it because you cannot stay special by the way the world defines the Word. They need to hear a different story. They need to know they were called first thing, known in the womb, and here for a reason. You say, well, that was just for Jeremiah. Oh, really? Was Jeremiah's call the exception or could it be the norm? Listen to Isaiah chapter 49. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my birth, He's made mention of my name. Listen even to Paul. 
who said in Galatians 1, God had special plans for me and set me apart for His work before I was born. Now, it took him a while to find out. But Paul says, I was called through His grace before I was born. One of the first things the church must do for our kids is tell them, you're called first thing. We tell them early and we tell them clearly about the life and the mission they were born for. We help them define what a special life really is. It happened for me. Some of you have heard me tell this story. I was nine or ten years old. My folks moved to a small little church in Oak Cliff. From about age second grade to sixth grade, there were only about ten kids in the whole church, and I was the only boy. Every Bible class, I was made aware I was the only boy. I led every prayer. This is back when girls had cooties. Being the only boy was not a good thing. I'll never forget, it's a Wednesday night, I'm in a little classroom sitting in my little desk. And one of the old men of the church, his name was Brother Ware, he was an elder, he walked into that room. And he sat down, he got his body in that little bitty desk next to mine. He said, Ricky, that's what they called me back then, I understand you want to be a preacher. And I said, yes sir, Brother Ware. He put his hand on my back, he said... You're going to be a great preacher. And I'm here to help. I'm so glad you're growing up in our church. That was my ordination. It happened over 40 years ago. I remember it like yesterday. Do you know where I found out I was special? At church. Calling begins at birth. You just need to hear the right story to know that. And calling ends the search for worth. Every child wants to know where did I come from and why am I here? And the wrong answers, we're going to have them searching all the wrong places for meaning. But there's a right answer. And the right answer is going to teach them to answer a call. So last Wednesday, we did something we do here every year. We have a uh, reception for all of the babies born the previous year. So all of the Families who had a newborn in 2009 were invited to this reception. They met upstairs. We had refreshments. The elders were there and they put chairs in a circle to pray over all these babies and these families. It was a powerful thing. And then as the summit began, all these families got up and just flooded this stage with new babies. Uh, we're changing our name from Richmond Hills to Fertile Valley. And <laughs> I asked... Some of our folks to take pictures of the babies for a special reason today. I'm going to show you their pictures and I'm going to ask you to pray over them in just a moment. Now here's going to be the temptation. They are cute. 
And when you start looking at their faces, you're going to start oohing and aahing about how cute they are and forget your assignment. Here's your assignment. I want you to pray over every face you see that they will live in their calling and they will find out from God who they are and why they're here. Because there's not a mistake in the bunch. So you're going to watch their faces. I'm counting on you to pray as you see them. Take their lives and let them be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Not one mistake in the bunch. Not one. There's not one mistake in this room. Not one. They're going to hear so many lies and they're going to start early. And I so hope you and I are prepared and willing to make sure they know where they came from. Why they're here. And what special really means. One more thing. Did you know that God called you to be saved? He chose you before you ever chose Him. And if you have never publicly acknowledged Jesus Christ, that's what you need to do first thing. Nothing else comes close to second in importance. So let's stand up. Let's sing a song together. As you come forward and you confess Jesus and put Him on in baptism this morning, let's praise the Lord.